Amen. We're going to carry on a little bit. Uh, we're going to go another night. We've got a couple more nights of graveyard stories. And uh, the reason we're doing this, um, we started a couple weeks ago, and that is the graveyard seems to be the spooky place or the scary place that for some reason it gets more attention than it should. Um, now, granted, we bury dead things, and that is a, a thing we do, but if we're not careful, we can get in a, a place where we're almost fearful of, of something that doesn't need to be feared at all. And Jesus made that very clear. Last week, we looked at a valley of dry bones where God had, he had Ezekiel, he said, hey, I want to show you something. Come on out. Let me, let me take you on a little stroll. And uh, it was a valley, all right, but it didn't have a meadow and anything. It was just dry bone. And then we also saw, saw last week where a dead man's bones touched another dead man and he came back to life. Uh, the, one of the most bizarre and most, uh, uh, incredible miracles that today most scholars, I study, there's very few commentaries that, that have anything, very little to say on that because what are you going to say? <laughs> a dead man that had been dead, his bones were dried, a man touched him and he came back to life. Were there, were there, was there power in the bones? Was it God saying, hey, I'm honoring my servant Elisha that, you know, that he was just that much in love with me or we're not sure all of that. But that was last week. This week we're going to carry on and uh, we're going to actually come into the New Testament and look at a, a story that's very familiar to us. Um, all of us, uh, we experience disappointment in this life. There, there are things that we pray for, that we we cry out for, and, and there are times where God seems to be silent where they don't get answered. And if we're not careful, many times we look at it from our own finite perspective instead of God's divine perspective. And tonight, that's one of the reasons where we're looking at these things called graveyard stories. God owns it all. He created it all. There's no space, there's nowhere that God is afraid of in any way. There's not anywhere where he's terrified, where he's like, oh no, there's nothing. He's perfectly comfortable in every place. And so, even here, um, we're going to look at this this story tonight. Think of it when think of when the children of Israel they had one man, one giant named Goliath that held a whole army hostage, day and night. He would just go out in the morning and 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 just dare somebody to come and fight him. And the whole oh, they're, they're not moving. And it took one. They were looking in the natural and going, oh no, he's too big. He's too big. And then it took one man that said, you know what? He's too big, all right. He's too big to miss. <laughs> I'm, how could I miss that guy? I'm going to hit something, I guarantee, if I throw at him. And so David had a divine perspective instead of just the natural perspective. And we're going to look here in this this story, which I love. Um, it, it blesses my heart. In, in John chapter 11, it's a family that Jesus loves. Now... When you look at Jesus and you look at the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus comes in contact with a lot of people. And he had his 12 disciples and he had his, his uh, the 70, he had the 120. But there's very few families that are mentioned where he comes in and connects so well other than this family. The family I'm talking about is the family of Lazarus with his two sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. And it says, now a man named Lazarus, looking in John 11, 1. 
Now, and I'm reading now the NIV. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and uh, her sister Martha. That's about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And it says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus uh, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this gives you some insight into, uh, this morning we talked about God gravitates towards gratitude. When you see Mary sitting here wiping her feet, wiping Jesus' feet, pouring it, wiping, it gets God's attention when we love on him like that. He can't help but notice, and Jesus noticed that. And in verse 3 it says, So the sisters together, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who, the one you love, they had made a connection with Jesus. They realized Jesus really loved their brother. Now, it's amazing because when you study this out, there's nowhere in Scripture where Lazarus is mentioned talking. He doesn't say a word. It's not something he did. He wasn't like Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary were we're playing ping pong back and forth in the house. Martha's trying to get the house ready for Jesus. Jesus is in the house. Many times we do that. We try to get ourselves ready for God. And God said, I'm already here, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. And Mary's just sitting there like, okay, Jesus, I love you. Just talk. I, just, I just want to hear from you. And Martha's over here trying to get stuff scurrying around. Hey, hey, would you tell her to help? And, like, and, and, and Jesus said, wow, I'm already here. What? Just let her sit and listen. She's chosen the better. Not that what Martha was doing was bad. It's just she chose the better. And so this family, they recognized the connection they had because the sister said, Hey, Lord, the one you love, you know Lazarus? So there was something in, uh, uh, that Lazarus had caught Jesus' eye and his attention that he made him want to come. And I want to say, through this, when he says is sick, We'll see here in a minute. Jesus says that this is not what you think it is. He begins, they're thinking he's sick. Jesus is thinking divine. They're thinking, oh no, we need you now. And Jesus said, hey, I'm coming. And what I've got to bring, it's going to really bless you, but not in your time. And so he goes on and he says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, let me say this to you right here. Sometimes when you're going through something, we think God's not answering or God's not involved. Really, God's just wanting to receive glory, and it may not be the way you think it is. Because they they had in their mind, hey, Jesus is sick. Jesus, come, come here. Jesus, you love him. Come do that healing thing. Come on. And he's like, oh, I'm coming. Don't worry, I hear you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up, but this sickness is not unto death. It was to bring glory to God. Um, when he heard this, Jesus said, when he said that, excuse me. Um, so um, when he heard that they were sick, let's move on now. Jesus loved Martha and Mary. So when he heard they were, Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, when someone's sick, look, I want to tell you, I get calls. It's like, I need to get to the hospital now. You got to get there now. You don't wait two days till after. I already got a, an assignment first thing in the morning. I'm, I get to go visit somebody. And so 
the, the thing is, Jesus was perfectly comfortable in his own time. We sometimes don't like God's timeline, but God does what he does for a purpose and for a reason always. He sees the divine purpose. We many times just see what we want. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Do you know sometimes uh, in our lives, God receives more glory with our waiting and trusting than with our immediate, I need it right now. That that he has something so much more divine and, and a plan that he's working out in us, a trust that he's wanting to run deep, roots that got to go real deep, that Lord, I trust you no matter what. No matter what goes on, my heart and my life is connected. And it's not based on what you do, it's based on who you are. And so in this story, we're going to see that waiting and trusting is something we really, not just us, but many of us, we struggle so many times on that, on, in that realm. And so it goes on a little bit. It, it, it starts talking about um, uh, the disciples are kind of worried about him. They're worried about him having to go and uh, going back to you. He's like, hey, they were just, we're not going to go. We're going to skip over a few verses. But just real quick, they were going to, he said, Jesus, we going back there? They were, they were wanting to stone you just recently. Why are we going back there? And uh, Jesus begins to comfort them and say, hey, we've got to, we've got to, um, we've got to go back. And in verse 11, he said, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus, you know, the guy that we, we're connected with, Mary and Martha, he's sick. He's fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. You see the divine and the natural? He's not asleep. And they're like, oh, okay, he's asleep. Well, Lord, let's go do that. His disciples replied, Lord, if he's asleep, he will get better. It's not that bad. He's just asleep. We'll get better. Um, But the disciples thought that he meant natural See how the natural comes in so many times in the divine. Jesus saying, oh no, I'm fixing to really rock your world in that you're going to see. And, and we know, many of us know, that it's a precursor to what they were fixing to face. They were fixing to go through the roughest time in their life. They'd walked with Jesus for three years and seen many miracles, but they hadn't seen every miracle yet. And I want to say to you, we've walked with the Lord for many years and we've seen miracles, but we ain't seen them all yet. There's still more to be seen. Jesus is still in the miracle working business. He's still raising dead men to life. And so that's what he says in verse 14. He says, so then he told them plainly, hey guys, Lazarus, he's dead. He, it, it's, it, I, I was trying to be nice. He's not asleep. He's actually, he's not waking up, but that's what we're going there for. And for your sake, and this is what's amazing. He said, for your sake. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. I'm glad I wasn't there. He's dead and I'm glad I wasn't there right now. I'm glad I wasn't. Why? (laughs) That you may believe. That you could see the power, the dominion over death. That it has no dominion over, over Jesus. It has no dominion over you and I. But let us go to him. Anyway, so they're saying he's dead and he's going to him. And then I love what Thomas says. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, he goes and he said to the rest of the disciples, and he didn't even know how prophetically he was speaking, let us all go that we may die with him. He's already, 
Hey, they were going to stone us. Remember, we're going back there. It's not like they're all better. We're going back. It's not. But he didn't even realize that he was going back there to die himself. I want to say to us that in our natural understanding, death really has no dominion over us. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once and face the judgment. So for anybody that's given their life to Jesus... There's your once. Recently, um, uh, one of our elders, we were talking yesterday, and his wife had pulled up an article, and you might find this. Maybe you read it. I read it today. I went and checked it out. There was a man who was sentenced to a life sentence. He was he was in sentence. He had been sentenced for murder, and he had a life sentence with no chance of parole. And he got he went he, he got sick. Went to the hospital. And he had no resuscitation orders given. And uh, he went there. He went and he literally, he died. He died, but they resuscitated him. And so this was in 2015. So last year, he began a, an appeal process to say, hey, I've already served my life sentence. I've already died. <laughs> and he said, so... I get to come back. Hey, he appealed it that I, you said I only had a life sentence. I died. And they said, well, as long as you can still share this, I'm sorry, you ain't dead. You're still, it doesn't work. The judge and the prosecutor said, no, that's not going to work. But he was saying to them, I've already died. I already did my sentence, my, my life sentence. It's over. Let me go. Um, let me say to us, once you've given your life to Jesus, it, 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 You've already served it because he served it. It's his death. And, and I think so many times that we miss opportunities where Jesus wants to do some great things. And that's what, when we look at um, how we should reckon ourselves on this earth. And this, just a quick reminder to you, in Romans chapter 6, there are, there are a few verses that really exemplifies what, how we're supposed to to look at this. In Romans 6 verse 11. It says the believer. As believers we're to reckon ourselves to be indeed dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words we already died. When Jesus died we died. That's what the first part of that. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that. As many of us were baptized, were baptized into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And he said, so we're to reckon ourselves. So there's one thing. Believers should always reckon ourselves dead to sin. We can do that right now. If you're struggling with a particular habit in an area, uh, it could be in your um, personal life. It could be in your thought life. It could be in your physical life. It could be in your eating. It could be in many areas in your business. If you're struggling, this is where we reckon ourselves dead, but alive to God. Dead to those things that come against us. The second thing we can do is reckon ourselves uh, that we don't let sin rule in our mortal bodies. We don't, we're, that's what Romans uh, six twelve. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it and its lusts. We can we can actually be living dead people. Romans 12, 2 says um, that we're our reasonable service. I urge you, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, to, to, 
to, to count your bodies, to be a living sacrifice, which is holy, pleasing to God, uh, to be a living dead person. Verse 13 says, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so we, we don't let sin rule. We don't yield our bodies. We say, no, this right here, you ain't, it belongs to the Lord. I present myself every day that God, I'm an instrument of your righteousness. And so we yield ourselves as being alive from the dead, being one that we're resurrected with Christ and we live in that. Back to our story where, where we actually see the resurrection. We get to experience that now spiritually, but he's experienced it physically. In verse 17, when Jesus shows up, he says on, in 17, he says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Already been there. And we know or many, you may not, back then it wasn't a nice thing. They didn't, you didn't have to spend a bunch of money on a casket. There wasn't, a, you know, there wasn't a sealed tomb. It, they did close it, but it was just a, 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 a cave where they rolled a stone over it. And so that's where they would put bodies in there. And so Lazarus has been put in there four days earlier. And they didn't have the embalming process. Not not everybody, that was one of those things. It's like, hey, we're just sticking them in there and the body starts to rot. I've already, I have my instructions that when my day comes, however or whatever that looks like, I'm not worried. When that day comes, I said, just get me in the ground. That's all that matters. We're going to skip all the processes. We don't need, that's a matter of, oh no, just get me in the ground. Any, anything else they want to do, they can do with a slide. There won't be any open thing where y'all look and go, oh look. He looks so good. <laughs> there won't be any of that. There'll be pictures. You can remember. It's one of those things that really basically you're saying, man, that mortician, man, he is good. He, <laughs> he did great. He does a great job. It's a thing where you'd be surprised at how, how if you just do that, you can save too. But, um, but I'm like, I'm going in there and it's done. So he's there four days. His body is already decomposing. And, and, and you know that's gonna happen. And then, um, because of that, many of the Jews had come out. That's what it says. Now, Bethany was less than two miles out and, uh, from Jerusalem. And many of them came. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother, which is a natural thing to do. Now, here's the beauty. They were genuinely concerned for their friends. The same way that I am generally, my heart goes out to Tim right now. That I know that even though it's wonderful when one of our loved ones is in heaven. I've got a father there. I've got a brother there. I've got aunts. You've got relatives there. But that doesn't do anything for here. It's our hearts miss being able to connect. My dad was an incredible carpenter. I miss being able to call him and say, hey, dad, how do you do that? Or even better yet, Hey, Dad, would you come show me how to do this? Because <laughs> he would show up and wipe it out. I was like, wow. Um, so this side, we do struggle. So they really did come out as an opportunity to come and gather. And I want to say to us, those who can, 3 o'clock tomorrow, we want to surround Tim with love. We want to surround people, those who are suffering loss. That's where we, we can be a part of the hands and feet of Jesus to comfort. However, with Jesus, it turns out a little bit different in this story. 
In verse 20, it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, now isn't this a change? Martha decides she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Remember the last time it was Mary that was staying, listening to Jesus, and Martha was busy. I don't think Mary was busy. I think Mary stayed there with the people that were there, the friends and the family that are the friends that had come into comfort. Martha runs out to meet him, and this is where we have an uh, exchange where Jesus begins to give her understanding. But how many know when you hear something, sometimes it don't really sink in, and then you really don't sink in until you experience it, until you walk. You, you hear it, and you think you know it. It's kind of like, remember, when you were 15 and 16, and, and your parents would tell you something like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Until you experience like, oh, no, I really know now. And so when she goes out in verse 21, um, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you, if you had been here, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I'm going to tell you, she had experienced power to be able to say that. She, had, she knew the power that resided in Jesus. But she still didn't know it. She knew it, but she didn't know it. Because she thought, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. It's too late now. And then Jesus begins to take her on a journey. and begins to, He wants to take us on a journey to not limit him in any way, shape, or form. He says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Whatever you ask, he'll do it for you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Since you said it, hey, he's going to rise again. I'm fully confident. Then he goes on. Martha answered, I know he will rise again. She believed. There was a group of people that did not believe in the resurrection. That once he said it was over. But she believed in the resurrection. I know that there's going to be a resurrection at the last day. And Jesus made a statement that is powerful still today. That we know, but we really don't know. We still need to grow and learn. When he said this, I am the resurrection. He didn't say I am a resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. What we just talked about, being living dead people. That we're dead to self, alive to God. And... uh and whoever believes, and then, and then he asks her the question. And whoever believes, uh, lives and believes in me will never die. Do you, and he asks her, do you believe this? I ask you, do you believe this? And she makes a statement. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I believe that. I know that. However, believing it and knowing it, those are two different things, believe it or not. There's a trust factor in belief. There's a trust factor of faith that I trust you know what you're doing. And there have been many times in my life, and I know in your times, where you, you had to question, God, really, are you really, are you really involved in what I'm doing? Because I don't feel like you're as, as, as involved with this as I am, or you care as much as I do. I remember with my dad, and, and walking through that with him, there were many times I really expect any moment, I was sitting there expecting any moment for him to get off the bed. I mean, it, he had he'd been four years dealing with esophageal cancer. There was a time I was believing that the, the church was very gracious. 
Pastor Ligon, they gave me a, I said, I'm taking a leave of absence. I'm going to, for my dad to either be healed or be healed. And cause it had gotten bad and, and he wanted to stay at home and so hospice. And so it was 30 days we were there. And as we were, as I'm there, I, I left his, his bedside maybe for an hour a day just to go fish in his favorite hole. That was for me and him. And, uh, cause I'd come back and tell him what I caught and it was always, every day. It wasn't, I didn't go fishing. I went catching. I'll just be honest. There's some, there's ponds that people have and it, you don't go fishing. You go catching. And, but I would, I would come and I was, I'd sit there all the time, no matter whether I was getting him up in the bed, whether I was helping him, whatever. I really expected for him to get up and just go, oh man, that felt bad. Praise God, I feel so much better now. Woo, let's go. There were moments where I just was so filled with, with it, a desire to go, wow, Lord, you're right here. His presence is so strong in this room. Right now, there's nothing that separates us. Lord, right now, he could just get up and walk. And I, during that time, there were so many powerful things. My dad, who, um, thanks to Pastor Lincoln, he, he never heard the blessing, but he did have, I was able to explain to him that there are things that you'd like to give us. And he prayed. I had each of my, my siblings come in. I said, hey, just come sit right down here. Neil, dad, dad couldn't get out of bed. Just kneel right here. Dad has something he wants to give you. My brother's like, what? I was like, just, just come on. And he prayed special prayers for each one. And then I actually took it a step further because I had my own children. I was like, mm, dad, these are your grandchildren. <laughs> and they're near and dear to my heart. And I took my son, he was 11 years old. I said, Dad, this is, this is Mark. I said, uh, you got things you want to give him, don't you? I said, and he prayed the most incredible prayer over him for ministry. I, I mean, I didn't even know that was in my dad. It was a heart. I mean, he's sitting here. Mark's got big gator tears coming down the side of his face. And Dad's praying. And I'm just, <laughs> the divine is, is being released in that room right there. Same thing with my daughter, just a tremendous heart of love that he was, I didn't even know it was there until he began to release that. So as we walk through these things, they're right there in this divine perspective. And so when Martha says, I believe, she goes, I believe you're the, I believe you're the son. I believe you're the son of God, but she doesn't know until she does, until she actually, and we'll see in just a moment where, where she didn't quite understand exactly all. The same thing we don't. We don't always understand all that God's doing. So after she does this, she goes back. She goes back to her sisters where the mourners are. Where, and generally so. I know that there were some with Jairus's daughter. They were mourning and they were trying to challenge Jesus on, you know, hey, we know death. And they did know death. They were dead, dead men walking. They understood what death was. And it says, after she said that she went back and called her sister Mary aside... The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. In other words, she had connected with Jesus in such a way where she wasn't crawling out to Jesus, Jesus was calling out to her. I want to say to you, we want to develop that relationship with God to where Jesus called, and he is today. He speaks, I know he speaks very vividly to many of you where he just talks and he just goes, hey, come here, I want to share something with you. I want to spend some time with you. And I want to say, if you ever feel like that God doesn't want to, it's a lie from the pit of hell. God is always drawing us into his presence, wants to spend time. 
desires and said, hey, he's calling for you. I want to tell you, hey, Mary, he's calling for you. He wants you to spend time with him. And he's got incredible things he wants to share with you. And so he goes on. Let's move on. We're going to move through. When Mary heard this, uh, now Jesus, I'm sorry, when Mary heard this, she got up and quickly, this is the key. Anybody ever hear the Lord speaking and you pass it off for a minute? He asks you to do something, to witness to somebody. Or he asks you, here's one, did he ever ask you to where he said, hey, I want you to go a different direction or a different way to work. Or He nudges you and says, hey, why don't you take that way? And you're like, that's crazy. And then you only find yourself in worse traffic and stuff. Man, if I'd have only listened. This is something a lot more serious, but Jesus... Mary, when she heard it, she, she said, I'm not going to delay. I'm, I want to, I'm attentive and I want to be involved. She got up quickly and went to him. And this is beautiful. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, was still sitting there where Mary was, where he met Martha. He's still waiting for her. And then that's when uh, he begins and says, when the Jews who had been with her, Mary, saw her take off, they saw her leave. It, it, it caused a stir. Like if you're sitting in a room and somebody gets up and says, Oh, I gotta get, and they, depending on how they get out of here, you're gonna go, where are they going? What, what, what's going on? I mean, this is Mary. Her brother's dead. She's supposed to be sitting here letting us comfort her. And she gets up and leaves and went out. They followed her support, supposing she was going to the tomb. They thought, Oh no, she's gonna go cry over there. Let's go over there with her and we'll cry with her over there too because she's hurting. Now, granted, they're being, I believe they're being sincere in this. I believe in this, in this instance, they really are looking out for their friend. But how do you know Jesus looking out more for his friend? And he had a little per, different perspective than they had. And so when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, one of Mary's favorite postures, there's three times in scripture where Mary the three times that they see, she's at his feet. She's like, hey, so the way to Jesus' heart is at his feet. The way to Jesus' heart, if you'll go to the feet, you'll always, and it's a, it's just a sign of humility saying, Lord, I, I, that's the, I, you are so incredible. We, we've got to be careful. We don't lose the reverence, the awe, the wonder of who Jesus is. Like, you know, people sometimes, he's like my homeboy. He's just like, no, he ain't your. They try to make him out to be this, my, my best buddy. My, I was like, no, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God. He's my, he is my friend. He is my brother. I am a friend of God. But he is to be, has to be honored. And, and just with all the love, all the joy and excitement, she goes for his feet and she says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here. Two sisters, if you, they both knew the power that was there, my brother would not have died. Both of them have stated this. Mm. Then Jesus, this is where we see the, we get to the, 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 the shortest verse of scripture. When Jesus saw her weeping, You know, when you, when you see somebody cry, it sparks an emotion within you. 
There, there is a, there, there is, it's a natural thing that God has placed within us. That when you see somebody, they begin to cry and they're going through road. It's something, it emits a response of, of sympathy, of comfort. It's kind of like when your child, mothers experience this best. They know cries. They know a cry for anger. They know a cry for hurt. They know a cry for, for comfort, for fear, for distress. They know a child's cry. Jesus knew this cry. This wasn't just a cry. I'm sad. This is a weeping of my brother is dead. And so he came along also weeping. The, the others came. The Jews came along. And it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And it said, where have you laid him? He asked. He's like, he's moved. And it says, come and see, they replied. And that's when it says, Jesus, for whatever reason, right here in 35, Jesus wept. And this is one of the most powerful scriptures. It shows the humanity of God. Fully God, fully man, knowing what he's fixing to do. He'd already told him we're going to wake him up. It's not like he doesn't know what he's about to do. And it's not like he's weeping like us, like, I won't see him again. It's not like, oh, I believe with all my heart. He saw them and said, I can feel what you feel. I can experience your pain the same way you don't think I can't relate. And there are many people that think he can't, but he relates exactly to what we're going through. He, when I, when my heart is overwhelmed, when my heart is broken, either by things I've done or things that have been done to me, either things I've said or things that have been said to me, Jesus understands and he relates to what we go through. I believe with all my, Jesus wept in that moment right there because he saw them weeping. He understood the, he understood the deep sorrow that they were walking through and, and, and related to that. However, then, then those around him, they began to make their analogy of, of watching him weep. And they said, oh, see how he loved him. And it's because of the love for Lazarus. And that, that's a part of it. There's no doubt. And then verse 37, but some of them said, could not he have opened the eye, he, uh, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind even keep this man from dying? Everybody's still thinking, man, if he'd have just been here. Even they're thinking, man, he could do that. Why wasn't he here? Remember, Jesus delayed on purpose because he wanted, this is all about giving God glory in the graveyard. Let's, let's keep, remember where we are here. We can get wrapped up in people, but we're still in the graveyard. We are in a place of death. And the, the, the author of life is showing up here and showing his humanity and his, his divine nature, both mixed together right here. And so, I love what goes on when, when they, when they're sitting here, when they begin to look, um, this is where we'll see where, where Martha really understood, but she didn't understand. Because Jesus then makes the statement. And he takes it, the, the ultimate step. Open the grave. I want you to open the grave. He's one, Jesus uh, said, take away the stone. Okay. It was all, it was okay. Everything was fine. Jesus wept. He's like, oh, good. We're just going to have a little morning session. You know, we're all, oh, we're all hurting. And that's a beautiful thing is, you know, the loss of a loved one. But Jesus says, oh, no, 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 that's not what I came for. Yeah, I do relate, but I've got a divine nature. Hey, y'all, matter of fact, take the stone away. Get that out of here. 
And he said, but Lord, Martha, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is bad odor. For he has been there four days. Now I know we don't get to experience that because of how we do funerals in America. Because there's no chance of that. But just think about when you have an, uh, <clears throat> a varmint around your house or something that has crawled up in a wall or um, something that begins to uh, decay. It doesn't take long. And it doesn't leave soon. <laughs> it sits for a long time. Recently, well, last year, actually it's the beginning, it last, end of the school year last year, we had something in, in one of our buildings. Uh, the teachers called and said, hey, we've, we've got something over here that just smells real bad. And they were saying, it's in the air conditioner. I'm like, it's not in the air conditioner. How many know you know when you smell death? It has a very distinct smell. Martha was saying, I know that smell. They knew the smell of death, and it's very distinct. We, I said, I, what y'all want me to do? I went over there and went, yes, I'm dead. You're right. It's dead. Something is. And so I was able to call uh, Dane Hutchison, who is in our church, uh, our exterminator. And it was funny because he got in there. He said, I can't. It's here. And his dad, Donnie, came over. They live right there. And we're sitting there outside the modular building. And, and they goes, Dane goes, man, I can't find it. He goes, I, I will, we'll just have to wait. I said, give me the suit. I got, we got, give me the suit. We, we cannot wait because our kids can't wait for that to go out of that classroom. And I said, just give it to me. And so we actually they had to go a little deeper, and he did find a big old possum. It was yucky. But the smell of death, I'm thankful. Y'all, yeah, I know it's like, woo. Let me say, I'm thankful because we were able to eliminate and eradicate it. And the kids, the next day, could, you couldn't smell it. They were able to spray stuff and get that out of there. Otherwise, it would have been a month. It would have been a month. Martha is here. She has that understanding. She has that same when you went, ooh. That's what Martha was experiencing. We said, Jesus, Jesus, don't. It's been four days. It's not going to be good. That's what he, she was trying to, trying to let him know. But that, that didn't scare him off. And let me say this. Martha understood when Jesus said he was the resurrection, but she didn't understand when he said he was the resurrection. Like she understood his power. All of them said, remember, all of them said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. They said, you got power, but you ain't got that kind of power. If you'd have been here, and Jesus said, whoa, I said I'm the resurrection and the life. I am, not I will be or going to. I am right now standing here in your midst. I resurrect dead people. I can do it in the natural and I can do it in the spiritual. I can do it physical. I can do it divine. And that's more of what this is about to bring glory that Jesus, there is nothing too difficult for him. Think about it. All your plans, all your dreams, all your wishes, everything are tied up in your life. And once you die, it's gone. And, and Lazarus, his family, everything, it was over. And Jesus said, it ain't over till I say it's over. It's not over until I say it's over. And he said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He had to remind her. She goes, yeah, I know I know you said that, but mm, I don't know that. 
I mean, I know you're the resurrection, but you ain't that resurrection. Are you that big of a resurrection? And he said, I can do that. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up, and I love what he says. Look at the first thing Jesus says to his father. Thank you. Thank you. The first thing he says to his daddy, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He didn't question it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't wander around. Well, I, Lord, I, I hope you. He knew. I want to say to us, I believe this will revolutionize our prayer life. Father, I thank you that you hear me. That's what John, 1 John tells us. That we can pray in God. We know that he hears us. And that we, if he hears us, we know we have what we ask for. So he goes on and says, so they took, and verse 42, said, I thank, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I knew that you always, look what he says, I knew that you always hear me. In other words, God's ears are tuned to your voice. And he always hears the thing we got to ask, am I praying? Am I believing? Lord, I'm trusting you. He always hears but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. This was all to bring them to the place to see that, Jesus, you are that good. You are that powerful. You are who you say you are. There's no need to doubt. Only trust. And so as a result, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. And notice he makes it very distinct. He has to use the name. He's standing there, Lazarus, come forth. When he says, Lazarus, come, he didn't just say, come forth. You know what happened. He said, come forth. Hey, come forth. Woo! Man, I don't know what happened. Everything, everybody starts coming out. We'll see. That's another graveyard story we'll look at in next week, but where they do come up out of the grave. That's an amazing power that happens. I just want to encourage our hearts here tonight for a moment, and those who will listen later either with a CD or a podcast, there is nothing too difficult for God. There is nothing too difficult for God. He still raises the dead, both physical and spiritual. And so when he says come out, of course we know what happens. Lazarus does. He has to obey the word of God. The dead man came out. This man, now I ask you, did he hear Jesus come forth. This man's gone. There's, there's a, this is a corpse. And he speaks to this corpse. Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped, looked like a mummy, stripped with all the, 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 the death linens that were on him, clothed around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to say to you that he's still saying the same thing to, to, to us today. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. Anything that we've been through, anything that's tried to hold us back, anything that's tried to keep us from obeying God, anything that's tried to in any way belittle or any way try to, to for us to think less than God's power, Jesus is saying, take those grave clothes off. Take, don't let that hold you down. The grave can't hold you down. Don't let the, any unbelief... And that's mainly what Jesus is doing here tonight. Remove all unbelief. That, that there's nothing too difficult for him. There's no person that's beyond his reach. There's nobody that God cannot change their heart, their life, their physically and spiritually. And I want us tonight, as we look at this 
wrap up this part of our graveyard stories, death doesn't even have dominion over him. And this is where we have to yield our hearts and our lives and say, Lord, you're greater than what my mind can comprehend. That I've limited, even in my understanding, like Martha, I've limited you. And we can't limit him any longer. Thank you, Lord God. Y'all bow your heads with me right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As I was praying about this, and I was going through and I was thinking, Lord, what are grave clothes? These are old linens that have been wrapped around us. And I believe there are people here that have these, these, these linens wrapped around them. And on them are things that people have said to them. On them are things that they've done in their past. On them are, are, are the things that are holding them back are guilt and shame and fear and doubt. I know in my own life there's been times and challenges where, where God didn't come through the way I thought He was supposed to. And so it began to make me think less than. And tonight I believe, just like Jesus told Lazarus, take those grave clothes off. I believe it's time to get rid of some grave clothes. It's time to get rid of anything that would try to hold us back from experience the love, the grace, the truth, the power, the wisdom, the revelation, the understanding of God. And Jesus is here tonight for that specific purpose. And He'll, he'll do it in anybody's life. And tonight, I just want us to take a moment. And the best way I know to... The, the beautiful thing about Lazarus, the, the most beautiful thing is, there was nothing he could do. Lazarus had nothing to do with his resurrection. He didn't have one thing he did. He couldn't be good enough. He couldn't pray the right prayer. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything to receive... His resurrection, he simply had to receive it. It wasn't based on anything he did. It was all on the grace and the goodness and the power of God. And it's the same thing in our lives. Father, thank you right now. Jesus, thank you right now for removing, taking all of those, anything that would try to hinder your work. Lord, your Holy Spirit right now flowing in our lives. Lord, I thank you right now any past hurts or failures. Thank you, Lord, for removing those tonight, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for perfect restoration. Thank you, Lord, for total cleansing that we get to walk out new, free, clean and go accomplish your will, Lord. Father, I thank you for it. I celebrate your life here tonight. Thank you, Lord. No more being held down. No more being lied to. No more allowing the enemy to have any part. Lord, I thank you that each one of us, you've called us to this life. You've appointed us. You've anointed us. Lord, you continually pour into us. Thank you, Lord God. We celebrate you here tonight, Jesus. We celebrate your life. We celebrate who you are and what you do in our lives tonight. Thank you that you are the resurrection. You were yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Allow that to just those things to begin to fall off. 
Allow them to begin to just fall off of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you right now. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you for breaking things off right now. Thank you that fear has to go. That your perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, I thank you you love us without measure. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I'm reminded when you said that if we be in the evil fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more does our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you right now. Holy Spirit, thank you right now for releasing, breaking off. Lord, renewing, restoring, causing life to be released in your people here tonight. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I want to do this. I'm going to, I want to, we're going to, we can stay here as long as we want, but I want to bless you. You can stay seated tonight and we can stay here as long as we want to just soak in the presence of the Lord. And I believe I'd, I'd love to do that tonight. Um, but I do want to bless you and then you'll be free. We can stay here as long as you want, or if you need these out, please feel free to do so. But I do believe that there are things being broken off. There, the enemy is a liar. He tries to hold us back. He tries to get us to think less of ourselves and less of God. And if he can get us to think, that's where it begins. And then we won't act on who God is and what he says. That somehow he won't back it up and that's a lie. So I, we'll be here. If you'll just receive from him tonight. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. Lord, where your name might be placed on them. And Lord, you in turn would do the blessing. I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, Amen.